encouragement, despite our life, despite our, our weaknesses, despite our failures, despite everything, if we trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we stand redeemed before the Lord today. And this is where we kind of are in our, our study in the book of Romans as well. So a very appropriate song today, because we've been in Romans for a few weeks here, uh, Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 2, and partway into Romans chapter 3. And to this point, Paul has really painted a very bleak picture for us. I mean, basically, uh, he has spent uh, these first three chapters talking about the heathen, the hypocrite, the Hebrew, and all of humanity, and the fact that every one of us stands guilty before God. Nobody, without exception, is on different ground. Now, that, that can be encouraging in one way, but also scary in another way. I mean, it can be encouraging that nobody has, has, has a, a better playing field from which to play than anybody else in this earth. We're all equal when it comes to our standing before God. But it can be very uh, scary when we think about we all stand equally before God. We stand guilty before God. And that was what Paul was doing in these first three chapters of Roman, Romans here, is he was, he was explaining and demonstrating to people the fact that they were lost. Because before somebody can get saved, they have to recognize that they're lost, that they need a Savior. And so Paul spent his time, and, and, and really, folks, it's, it's amazed me how, how meticulously Paul has spent his time in the first couple, three chapters here, breaking down basically every avenue of man at the time and in the future to show them their need of a Savior. And then we come to verse 21. And there's a total shift. Because now Paul's going to start talking about the Gospel. And he's, he spent all this time painting this bleak picture. Every man stands guilty before God. And then verse 21 says, But now the righteousness with God, of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is the revelation of God's salvation plan. And I want you to notice, Paul, these three chapters thus far, has painted this bleak picture, and then you get to verse 21, and it says, but now. You know, it's really interesting, folks, in Scripture, when things suddenly change with a little conjunction. But now. I've painted this, I've painted this horrible picture. We're all guilty before God. All man deserves to be condemned to hell. But I have something else to tell you. And that's what he moves into here. And what a transition he makes. And note that right away the first thing he does is he points to the fact that it is God's righteousness apart from the law. Apart from the law. Why? Because in keeping the law, that would be a salvation of what? Works. Right? If, if my salvation depends on me keeping the law at that time, my salvation then depended on who? It depended on me. And my ability to keep the law. Now, we know, we know just by studying the Old Testament that man was not going to be able to keep the law. 
I mean, we know that because while Moses was receiving the law, what was man doing? He was living in wicked sin. Celebrating like the, the, fall, the nations that believed in false gods around them, worshiping a golden calf, all these things, while Moses was getting the law. And so we knew mankind would not be able to keep the law, and, and that is clear to us through Scripture. So now we come to this juncture in Romans chapter 3, and Paul says, now the righteous God, after all this bleak picture, we have the righteousness of God without the law. Apart from the law. Separated from the law. So what do we see here right from the very start? Well, two very crucial points. Number one, the law does not save. And number two, man's deeds do not save. And and folks, God's righteousness doesn't fill a gap between our ability and God's standard. It is not just a supplement to our righteousness. It is a part from our righteousness. And that's what we have to understand. God is not just filling some gap. Well, you made it most of the way, so let me fill in a little bit more for you. That is not what he's talking about. He's talking about a totally different path. A path where Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's the path, folks. And so Paul is laying out to us this path here that it's given apart from our works. So if it's given apart from our works, how does it come? (laughs) He tells us. By faith of Jesus Christ. See, folks, my salvation comes through my, in faith, trusting in the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's how I'm going to spend eternity in heaven someday. Not because Ken Biggs did some good works. Oh, I may have done a few good works in my life. I guarantee I did a lot of bad works too. (laughs) But I, I, I may have done a few good ones here and there. But they're filthy rags compared to a holy God. And so it's nothing that I have done. Phillips, Phillips states it this way. He says, it is here that God's plan of salvation parts company with every plan devised in the human heart. Now catch that again. It is here that God's plan of salvation parts company with every plan devised in the human heart. If God left it us to, up to us to figure out how we could atter- attain salvation, nobody would come up with the plan he came up with. Nobody would come up with the plan of sending Jesus Christ to the cross. Nobody would come up with that plan. Oh, why? Because we'd be trying to figure out how to do it on our own. Because we're told we need to be self-made people. We need to, when we fall, we need to do what? We need to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps. I mean, these are all the cliches we use, right? Because we need, you just need to be stronger. You need to reach down deep inside and pull yourself up. You know, we use all those cliches, folks, and that's great in certain circumstances. But when it comes to salvation, it's worthless. Worthless. Because Paul's already stated it's apart from the law. It's not my deeds. It's his righteousness. All, all of the world's false religions have one thing in common, and that's earning your salvation. You take every false religion you can think of in this world, I don't care what it is, and somewhere in there, you're trying to earn your salvation. 
That's what sets us apart, folks, from the religions of this world. This is, this is why this is so crucial. We don't earn our religion. We can't earn our religion. Our salvation, excuse me. We don't earn our salvation. We can't, we can't earn it. We don't. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. By grace are you saved through faith and the not of yourselves. What is the gift of God? What? Lest any man should boast. See, folks, that's why we can't earn our salvation. Because if we could earn our salvation, we could walk around boasting. Remember, that's what Paul talked to the Jew about, right? That was what he, he had the law. He, I got the law. So he thought he was good. He thought he had made it. He thought he had arrived because he had the law. And Paul said, you're just as guilty as the heathen and the hypocrite and every other human on the face of the earth. It doesn't matter if you had the law. But see, if we could do it of our own, on our own, we would boast. We would boast. And so he says in verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. Now folks, I'm just going to stop here for just a second and want you to notice two words that are repeated in those few words there. It's all and all. I, I really get tired of the mentality that says only certain people can get saved. It really drives me crazy because it's not scriptural. It's not scriptural. Listen, Jesus Christ shed His blood on this earth for all humanity. All men can be saved. Will all men be saved? No, they won't. That got asked that the other day. That's <laughs> part of his ordination. One of his questions was, was uh, can all men be saved? And will all men be saved? And uh, the answer is no, all men won't be saved. The Bible is very clear. There's a, there's a narrow path and a broad path, and few find the narrow path, and a lot find the broad path that leads to destruction. But, folks, we all through the shed blood of Jesus Christ have the opportunity to be saved. And that's what Paul says here. He says, by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. That's going back to his previous discussion. There's no difference between Jew or Greek. There's no difference between heathen, hypocrite, Hebrew, or the rest of humanity. Nobody's on a different playing field. All can come to repentance through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and faith in him. That's the plan that God has. And then Paul just kind of adds this verse to it to help us understand, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What is Paul doing? He's just kind of reiterating the fact that we all stand guilty before God. There, and, and you notice again, there's an all in that verse. Every one of us has sinned. And every one of us falls short of God's glory. Listen, folks, I, 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 wish, I wish I could get up here and say, you know, folks, I'm doing really good. I, there's, there's days I don't fall short of God's glory, but I would be a flat-out liar if I did that. And you would, too, if you tried to do the same thing. Because we constantly, constantly fall short of the standard. God's plan of salvation, folks, listen, it's for sinners. And every one of us is a sinner. Isn't that the beauty of it? I mean, I just, I, I just love the fact that God in His holiness has to condemn sin 
unless there's a price paid for it, and then he turns around and pays the price for it. It's like, it's like so amazing. He's got, his holiness requires his justice. It, there is a price that has to be paid. There is no exception. There is no other way out of it. There's a price that has to be paid. And then he pays the price by sending his son. Folks, that's the revelation of God's salvation plan. Paul doesn't stop there, though. Then we see number two today, the righteousness of God's salvation plan. Note verse 24. It says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, folks, that is a short verse, but there is a lot of important stuff in those few words. Notice, first of all, the word justified, the word freely, the word grace. Justified is a, I'm hoping I'm getting this right, Adam. I think it's a present tense indicating a constant and continuous process. I think I've got that right. In the, in the, Adam teaches Greek in the college now, so I just, I'm, just, I'm just double checking. But I think that's correct in the lives of those who believe. In other words, our, my justification, when I trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, it's something that happens and continues to happen. I am saved and I continue to be saved. It doesn't end, folks. And that brings us to another issue of today. Can I lose my salvation? No, because it wasn't a work that I did. It was a work that Jesus did. It's his work. And I am sealed till the day of redemption. Because it was his work, not my work. Justified. Justification is a, is a legal term Back in Bible days, it was a legal term of acquittal from guilt. Now, I want us to understand, it's, it's a legal term of acquittal from guilt. It's more than just being forgiven. See, I, 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 could, I, could, go, I could go over to, uh, to Brett's house today and, and decide that I, I like Brett's car I don't. But I just, I just pretend, sorry, brother, I, just, I like big trucks. Anyway, if I can pretend I like his little Mini Cooper, and so I go over to his house today after church, and I steal his Mini Cooper, and then I, I, I accidentally, I'm racing it because, you know, it's such a fast car. And so I'm racing it, I get in a wreck and destroy his Mini Cooper. And we go to court, and Brother Brett says, Pastor Ken, I really like you, I forgive you. I wouldn't. <laughs> Just let's say he does that. He says, I forgive you. Am I still guilty of stealing his car and wrecking it? Yeah, I am. He forgave me, but I wasn't found not guilty. I'm guilty. But see, the word justification is more than that. It's being found not guilty because of the blood of Jesus Christ. A lot of people term it this way. They say justification is just as if I had never sinned. That's how a lot of people term it. I don't know if that's the best definition, but it works, folks. It, it, it's this legal term. And we have to understand, one commentator said this, there's no formulation of the gospel which is biblical that removes the initiative from God. Did you catch that, folks? It's not my initiative. It's God's work. His work. His blood. His plan. His redemption. Not mine. Given to me, it says, how? Freely. Freely. That's a beautiful word there, folks. <laughs> when you just think for a moment, all this that I'm given 
This, this, this justification, just as if I had never sinned, it, it is given to me freely by God. I don't have to earn it. I can't afford to pay for it. I can't do nothing to get it. It's free. Isn't that a blessed thought, folks? That's a nice thought. Because we, are, we all live on different playing fields in this earth. You know, we have different levels of education, different levels of earning, different, different levels of jobs, different levels of power, different levels of authority, different levels of all. We have all these different levels in our earth. You know, we, we understand that. But, but all of us gets the free gift. Freely given. And what is that? Being justified freely by what? His grace. His grace. What is grace? It's unmerited favor. Unmerited favor favor. Receiving something I do not deserve. That's what grace is. I have received something I didn't deserve. I was sharing with a couple of guys before church today. I got really excited the other night. My wife's been teaching for the second half of the year, and, and, and one of her, her parents, their family, gave Joyce an end-of-the-year gift. But they really gave me an end-of-the-year gift because they sent me her. They sent her six, six passes to Green Top Shooting Range and two boxes of nine millimeter, folks. That's like getting bricks of gold these days. And that, that was the gift they gave to her for teaching this year. You know what that was for me? That was grace. I didn't earn it. I didn't sit in the classroom with their kid. I didn't do anything. Probably just fussed about her teaching so much. But she got the gift, but really I got the gift. It was grace to me. It was unmerited. I did nothing to receive it. She did all the work but I got the gift. I'm going to share it. <laughs> Although that doesn't mean near as much to her as it means to me. But, but, you know, I did nothing for it, but I received the gift. That's what we're talking about here. And justification comes through what? Redemption. Redemption carries the, the idea of being purchased, but also set free. Jesus Christ paid the price, but he also released us from the chains of sin that held us captive. That's a beautiful thought, folks. I, I, I picture sometimes in my mind these chains wrapped around me that Satan's put there and that I've put there through the way I've lived. And, and, and I, 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 I don't know, maybe I'm stupid. I don't know. I picture, I picture sometimes those chains with little tags on them. This that you did, and this that you did, and this that you did, and this that you did. All the things Satan reminds you that you did to tell you that you're, you're worthless before God, that you can't accomplish anything for God, that you can't do anything for God, because look at all the chains that are bound around you. And Jesus Christ purchased me, and he cut the chains off. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Freedom from sin. And Paul's going to deal with that as we get a little further into Romans because we're going to deal with how mankind, even though we have that freedom from sin, we still live <laughs> under that sin even though we have been given the freedom from it. We choose sometimes to live under it. That's a whole other sermon for another day. Verse 25. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation. Propitiation. The word literally means to appease. It, 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 it's, it's appeasing by sacrifice. God's holiness demands justice, and the justice has been appeased. What is the means of that appeasement? 
whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith, what? In his blood. The means of the appeasement of the holiness of God and his wrath is the blood of Jesus Christ shed for me on the cross. Now, the word carries the idea of mercy seat as well. Now, there's, there's, I, I read a lot of commentaries this week, and there's, there's a lot of debate whether the word appease is, is more of the definition or the word mercy seat is, is more of the definition. Um, and and I, I think after all my study this week, you probably term it either way, but I think it's interesting. One of the commentaries I, I often go to uh, wrote this. He said, the mercy seat idea should not be neglected as an illustration of propitiation. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was the evidence of man's great sin. The tablets of the law, which man broke, the manna that was received ungratefully, the butted rod of Aaron showing man's rejection of God's leadership. Up over the Ark of the Covenant were the symbols of the holy presence of the enthroned God in the beautiful gold cherubim. In between the two stood the mercy seat. And as sacrificial blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat on the Day of Atonement, God's wrath was averted because a substitute had been slain on behalf of sinners coming by faith. We can really say that Jesus is our mercy seat, standing between guilty sinners and the holiness of God. See, folks, this is God's plan. God's redemptive plan took me out of the process. It's his plan, his work, his blood that he gives to me. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare Ken's righteousness Brett's righteousness, Brad's righteousness. No. We can sit here all day and do that game. That's not what it says. It says to declare his righteousness. See, folks, this is where we know that works is not involved. It's not declaring any of our own righteousness. It's declaring his righteousness because he is righteous. He is holy. The cross demonstrates that God found a way of being just while in the very act of justifying the believer. God was both just and the justifier. Isn't that great? We, we could never come up with this plan, folks. It wouldn't happen. We're not that creative. God, God came up with a plan where he is both just and the justifier. He covers it all. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. Well, I don't know where our time has gone this morning. I feel like Brett. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21 says this. It says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We talked about earlier in this study the great exchanges, people that exchanged the glory of God for something else. Here we have another one of those great exchanges. We have God becoming sin for us so that we might become righteousness. Isn't that great? 
how he becomes sin for us so that we can become righteousness. And we can see this in the picture of two Old Testament sacrifices. If you study back in, your, in, your, in the Scripture, you'll find different sacrifices. But there was the sin offering where the vileness of the sinner was transferred to the substitute. And then there was the burnt offering where the virtue of the substitute was transferred to the sinner. Isn't that a beautiful picture? It's what God did for us. That takes us to our final point today. Roman numeral 3, the defense of God's salvation plan. Notice verse 27. Where is boasting then? Paul says, how are you going to boast? I just laid out all of God's redemptive plan and you're not part of it because your works don't help. Your following the law doesn't help. You're guilty before God. So where are you going to boast? What can you possibly boast in? And what does he say? He says, where is boasting then? It, it, is, it is excluded. <laughs> he, said, he said, you can't do it. There's nothing you can boast in. Because you didn't do the work. By what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Paul goes right back. He says, is it law? No. Is it works? No. It's faith. Faith. Where can we boast in? Folks, we can boast in Jesus Christ. That's the only place we can boast. We can boast in Jesus Christ and his work for us. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Paul is going to drive this point home. He says, therefore, we conclude, man is justified by faith apart without the law, without the deeds of the law, without working, without his works. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Remember, Paul's dealing with people who believed the Jews, they were the only ones who were going to go to heaven. Remember, you know, they had the law. They had the circumcision. They had, they had it. We're going to heaven. All those people, they're not going. Well, folks, Paul made it pretty clear. They trusted Christ by faith. They're going too. <laughs> so they're going to be in heaven as well. Notice what he says. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. What's he saying? If I don't have to worry about the law, why don't I just live any way I want to live? I got my, I got my ticket to heaven. I got the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I trust in it, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna live any way I want to here on this earth. There's people that take that mentality, folks. Just live how I want to live. I'm gonna live it up. I got, my, I got my insurance to heaven. What does Paul say? He says, God forbid. God forbid. That's not what God desires. Paul does an excellent, excellent job. Obviously, inspired scripture through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Paul does an excellent job laying out the fact that all man is guilty, but God has a plan. Folks, I'm thankful for his plan. And if you're here today and you're saved and on your way to heaven, you need to be thankful for that plan as well. Because that plan takes out any possibility of mistake by us. It really does.
You know, I've talked to a lot of people who believe you can lose your salvation. I, I've told them, you got, it's got to be a miserable life. <laughs> I mean, you've got to live a miserable life. If every moment of the day you're wondering, Did I, am, am I living okay right now? Am I, am I okay right now? Am I, am I okay right now? Five minutes later, am I okay right now? You know, you don't, I mean, it's got to be misery. It has got to be miserable to live that way. See, this takes care of all that. Because it's not mine, it's God's. His plan, his work, his blood, his gift to me. And that's what Paul's talking about. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed as we come to the end of the message today. I am, this is not the first time I've taught through Romans, not the first time I've studied through Romans. But folks, this book has so much value. And, and I mean, and we're, we're just, I mean, this is a fast study just for what's there. I mean, we're, we're hitting at high, high points of it. But there is so much valuable doctrine in this book, and we're going to see more of it over the next few weeks. But I would be completely remiss today if I didn't ask this question. If you're here today, I hope you have trusted by faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that free gift of salvation. I hope you have today. I know I've heard many of your testimonies, so I know many of you have. But if you're here today and you have never trusted in the shed blood of Jesus Christ for your sins, I want to encourage you to talk to somebody and do that today. You may be sitting here today and maybe to this point of life you've been trusting in your works. Maybe you've been trusting in the fact that you're a pretty good person. And you know, folks, you may be a really good person. I like our church members here. <laughs> I think a lot of you are really good people. But being good people is not going to get us to heaven. There's going to be people, there's going to be people the Bible tells us when Jesus Christ returns, they're going to say, Lord, Lord, I testified in your name. I gave testimony about you, Lord. And he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. What does that tell me? Tells me you can be a good person sitting in church today and still be on your way to hell. Salvation comes through trusting in the shed blood of Jesus Christ by faith in his blood and nothing else, not anything of my own. So, folks, I want to encourage you. If you're here today and you've never done that, I want to encourage you. Come see me at the end of the service. Take somebody else aside. They can show you how you can know for sure today that you're saved. For those of us that are saved today, boy, folks, we have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be thankful for. Maybe we just need to spend some time in prayer, thanking the Lord for what he's done. I'm going to have a stay seated. I'm just going to ask Judy to play a verse of a song. And let's just thank the Lord for his redemptive plan.